Welcome to episode number five of the Recruitment Intelligence Podcast. My name's Robert Gillespie, and in today's episode, we take a closer look at a recent Forbes article where 20 recruiters shared the nine most common mistakes job seekers are making amid the coronavirus pandemic and how it's likely to change the recruitment process forever. From temporary furloughs to hiring freezes or job offers being withdrawn to the unfortunate layoffs, there's been a massive upheaval across all industries and roles. For many recruiters though, the screening and hiring of candidates has continued. But are candidates adapting to all of this change? Or are they still relying on the old way of applying for jobs? Do they need to be more assertive and creative to stand out in what's become an employer's market? All of this and much more is discussed in this latest episode, including some thoughts on how candidates can avoid these mistakes and crush their next interview. Let's go. So Gavin, I don't know if it was yourself or one of my colleagues or, or one of our colleagues who actually shared this article with me. It was from Forbes. Um, I think it was written early in May, but it was all about it was from 20 recruiters who were actually sharing or basically 20 recruiters were screening and hiring candidates over the last few months during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And what they shared were the nine common mistakes job seekers are making amid the, amid the coronavirus. And yeah. basically the article, just to set the scene for everyone who's listening or watching, it was that clearly they were setting the scene that there's been a significant impact on people's lives right now and careers with things like temporary furlough, job offers being pulled or hiring freezes. I mean, clearly there's been inevitable layoffs and the article just goes on to talk about this massive upheaval, clearly, over the last few months. But on the flip side, because of all these layoffs, people are trying to apply for jobs during probably one of the most difficult times you can imagine right now. Um, And it's going to be tough for a lot of people to adapt. It's really what the article is trying to say. It does try to shine some positive light, saying things like e-commerce, delivery, cybersecurity kind of industries are actually growing rapidly. So there is hope there. Um, But if you are one of the people who are trying to find a job at this time, clearly it's a big challenge. And this article was really just trying to shine a light on the common mistakes which are happening and clearly how to avoid them. So I'm going to share them with you. I know you've had a chance to look at this, but here's the nine common mistakes in this article. So I thought it was pretty good. So the first one was, and I'm just reading off the article here, was using the same old outreach tactics. In other words, you're not standing out because the article tries to point out, or the recruiters who are surveyed in this um, article were saying that people are just sending in CVs and covering letters and hoping that the old way still works. I mean, what's your thoughts? I mean, I think, I think not standing out is, a, is an important point. I mean, if you even take a step back, you know, in our, in our team, you know, we're looking at different ways where our sales team can engage with clients, where our delivery team can engage with candidates, really just to stand out and, and offer, you know, something different right now. So over the last couple of months, we've looked at, you know, various different initiatives that are really just trying to drive engagement. I think bringing it to the article and, and from a candidate point of view, right now, even though people are working remotely and, you know, whether they're or not in offices, etc. Everyone I've spoke to has said, I feel busier now than I've ever felt. And as a result, you know, people are probably less interested in just receiving, you know, yet another CV, yet another resume, etc. So for me, I think the point is absolutely valid. I mean, I think the obvious, you know, solution is, you know, video. You know, again, you know, video is getting pushed hard on, you know, a, a way of, you know, an individual just looking different and standing out. But there's also the whole kind of video CV as well. I mean, rather than just saying, 
you know, hi, I'm Gavin, here's, here's what I'm looking to, to do in terms of my next job, is actually converting the CV into some kind of more digital, you know, look and feel as well. But for me, definitely standing out is key, you know, and, and making it as personalised as possible. One of the things we've got a lot of, had a lot of success in the last couple of months is just personalisation. So something that you've picked up on, you know, a hiring manager or a prospect's LinkedIn profile, they like, you know, a certain sport or a certain activity, it's just referring to that and just trying to get some kind of human uh, link. Because right now, as I said, when everyone's remote, sometimes that human piece is slightly lost. And I think, you know, trying something different is, is absolutely key. Yep, no, couldn't agree more. Um, number two, links in slightly actually to the first one, and we touched on video, but the, a common mistake they're saying is video conferencing struggles. Um, I suppose from my own point of view, and we've read enough articles on this, and we've used this phrase, the new norm, for a while now, but working from home has been the new norm, and even me and you, or our team are catching up with people, we're on video maybe three or four times a day, so it's becoming the norm. Um, an interesting stat in the article mentioned 89% of employers are adapting virtual video interviews via Zoom during that, yeah. which I don't know if I'm surprised or not. I think it sounds right. But I think the common mistake was that candidates hadn't been embracing video. Um, they were struggling to, from an enthusiastic, showing enthusiasm via video. I mean, I suppose it's, something, it's maybe not a question, but you can agree with that one. Yep, no, I mean, so now, now I need to appear more enthusiastic here since you've, since you've said that. But I think I, I put a post out maybe three months ago, really at the start of the, the lockdown around some observations in video. I mean, people talking over each other, people coming on late, people not being able to work their camera, all that kind of stuff. And I think that applies to, to candidates for sure. I think um, the other thing I've seen recently is video meetings are lasting um, for, for a less amount of time, they are shorter. And therefore, from a candidate point of view, it's about how do you make an impact on video in a shorter period of time? Because we're certainly finding there's less kind of just chit-chat and it's more, let's have a call, let's move on to, to the next one. And I think there is the, the kind of standard things like appearance, eye contact, you know, smiling, all that stuff, because ultimately it's still an interview, you know, and you just need to make sure that, you know, whilst the candidate is sitting home and the hiring manager sitting at home, they're not too relaxed into forgetting it's not that, you know, that, that kind of interview environment. I think, you know, out with this pandemic, video is going to become even bigger than it was before. I mean, we're now seeing um, discussions that we would have had to go to another country to have that we're just doing a video and that would just become the, the way forward. And I, and I think from a candidate point of view, any candidate that's looking for a job and not comfortable in video really needs to fix, you know, fix that pretty quick because I, I do think it's going to become the norm. Can I agree again? Uh, number three, or mistake number three, was <clears throat> candidates applying everywhere. Um, now, whether that's, they tried to point out in the article, it's more about from a candidate's value, maybe like being aware of applying to every role under the sun, because you just don't know sometimes at the other end who's receiving these CVs, maybe from the same agency or whatever, and you're just looking as if you're scattergun approaching, you're just attaching your PDF to everything. I mean, that is a problem, I'm assuming. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, we I talked again a couple of weeks ago about active candidates becoming more active. You know, there's clearly, you know, when someone's looking for a job and in the current environment, nine times out of ten, they're panicking a little bit to say, how long is it going to take me to find something else? And that's, that's totally understandable. But my view is that if you were a top performer before COVID, 
you can be a top performer after COVID and don't undervalue yourself. You know, don't get to the point where you are, you know, applying for jobs that's not your function without, you know, any experience that you, you relevant experience, etc. Almost try and take the time to network with people that could, you know, bring you opportunities in the future and really make sure that your 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 targeting is, is correct. And it's as you to you said, Robert, it's not scattergun because people can see that. You know, you know yourself that you know when you're when you're feeling desperate, you usually act desperate. And it's really important to kind of get that balance of yes, ultimately finding a new job, but making sure you're you're doing some kind of level of targeting. I think it also said, if I remember in the article, about you know quality of application versus quantity of application, and, and making sure that the video, the cover letter, the CV, whatever it may be, is personalised to you know to the particular role that you're you're applying for. No, I mean I mean I guess ultimately it's about getting the right balance, isn't it, between creating more opportunities for yourself, but ultimately making sure that the right opportunity you're not but you can also i mean you know better than i do you can create opportunities through the content you put out through the interest mm-hmm. interesting interaction you have with people so it's not necessarily about i'm going to create an opportunity by applying for company x it may be i'm going to create an opportunity by um, engaging with relevant people at that company putting some interesting content to them that allows them to you know have an interaction with with me that makes sense uh, mistake number four then unrealistic salary expectations as, and again the article talks about it's nice to aim high. We all like to aim high, I'm sure, but um, they're saying that might not be the right approach to take at the moment right now with hiring managers. Um, in other words, don't price yourself out of roles. What do you think of that one? I think I think there's a balance. I mean, I think the, the opposite is also true. If you were an X and now you're saying to people I'm willing to take half of X, people are going to start questioning how much do you value yourself. You know, my view is that if you're doing a role on X and you accept a role on half of that, it's probably not going to be a challenging enough role to keep you there long term either. So I think the point is valid. I mean, if you look at it, I would say nine out of 10 companies are either have made cuts or thinking about cuts or are looking, looking at future kind of cost restraints and hiring being one of them. Um, you may also be speaking to a hiring manager that's taken a pay cut, you know, that's not been paid bonus, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's important to almost understand who you're interacting with. Um, I think right now is not the time to be saying, I was on X and I want, I want a 20% increase. I mean, I think if we go back to our kind of six Fs, we talk about what's important to a candidate, fit, freedom, fun, future, fortune, and family. The, the monetary element is only one part of it. So if I was a candidate looking for a job just now, I would be saying, yeah, I want to get a job that gives me enough income, but it's not a job that I just need to be in for a few months because I think moving again, you know, in future post-COVID is also going to be quite quite challenging. So for me, don't don't aim too low, i.e. The, the job is just not satisfying enough for you. But certainly right now, don't aim too high because your internal audience might just see that as a complete disconnect in terms of what's, what's going on. Yeah, I mean, even, I mean, I've hired a lot of people myself over the years. And as you said, if, if someone came in and they were dropping their salary to for an odd for odd reasons, I would be more concerned that, well, once the maybe in six months, seven months' time, they're more likely just to jump ship again or if they see, because they have they know themselves that's not a realistic salary or what their standard of living has been, et cetera. And as soon as something, get, the world gets better again, six, seven months' time, they're more, they're at, or they'll be in a higher bracket anyway, I would imagine, of risk in terms of leaving. Or That would be my... Fair yeah, absolutely. So number five, mistake number five, lack of empathy. Um... So this one they were referring to more about when you're going for an interview, just being empathetic to the, how the company that you're actually interviewing for 
what's happened to them during the last three months or whether it's roles that the companies had to lay off people and etc so it's almost make sure that all the stuff we spoke about but they're being empathetic as well to actually the situation that company is in being sensitive again just showing that they've been paying attention to what that company i mean it's common sense for an interview you should be doing your interview preparation but just showing you, yeah. you paid attention to the, the situation that company's involved with what do you think and i think this is quite an important one and it, and it kind of ties into a few of the other ones but I almost hope to see one of the mistakes being preparation because for me, you know, getting the right preparation for an interview is absolutely key. And that is, you know, understanding who you're speaking to, understanding the organisation, what's going on in their world. And I guess this ties into the, the kind of lack of empathy. I mean, the obvious ones is, you know, how's their share price? What's what have they done in terms of layoffs? You know, are there any articles about, you know, what's going on in their business? And really, you know, being able to get to a level with someone and actually saying, I'm aware of this, it must have been tough, rather than just saying, you know, what's in it for me. I mean, I think going back to my point earlier, when candidates are sometimes desperate, they do quickly take the what's in it for me approach. And I, and I think that really makes the candidate look very short term in their, in their thinking. So, you know, we've seen it, you know, from our point of view, you know, someone saying, you know, I urgently need you to reply to this email or whatever it may be, when they don't know what's going on in, in someone else's world. So I think, you know, there's also the other one where you've got, you know, people who are going over the top on the, you know, isn't this a, an unprecedented situation and crazy times and I hope your family's well when they might not even know their family. So there's a balance, you know, and I think I think you need to get that balance of being empathetic. But ultimately, as a candidate who's out of a job, they're still there to sell their their, their self, you know, their self as an individual to that to that um, client. So I think it's a balance, but I think do your research, know who you're speaking to, try and work out what's happening in their organization. Don't go in too heavy too soon, you know, and try and build that relationship you know, early on in the, in the interaction. Okay, well. uh, number six, I'm going to read my notes for this one because I actually found this one very interesting. Um, it was classed as inflexibility. Um, so they're trying to point out it's an employer's market right now, um, but many candidates are refusing to flex on the requirements. And what they were trying to point out was, and again, just read my notes, was that now you need a bit more flexible, whether that's on start dates, whether maybe you start maybe part-time to start with for a little bit, whether it's location or location working from home. Maybe one that's a wee bit it's a funny one was about you're not going to get any benefits until we're up and running full-time back to normal. Just so people being adaptable in terms of so inflexibility, maybe they should be a wee bit more adaptable right now. Again, what's your thoughts? I mean, again, it's, I think you're, you're looking at, and I don't mean to be... Um, Kind of unfair to one side here but i think you're looking at two different sides here i think you're looking at active candidates and passive candidates and i think that you know an active candidate who's out of work and who you know is keen to get the next role i'd be struggling to understand you know um kind of inflexibility from their point of view i.e i can't make this zoom call or i'm not available to start on this day or i don't want to you know to go through four interviews to to speak to all the, the relevant people so i think that that's I'd be surprised. I mean, I don't think companies should take advantage of people in that situation mm. and put them through, jump, make them jump through so many hoops that they feel, you know, used by the, the interview process. But then on the other side, the passive candidates who, you know, may be treated, maybe being treated well by their organisation just now, maybe a top performer, and are probably more nervous out of COVID to say, actually, I don't know if I want to make a move now. So I think one of the challenges recruiters have got is how do we now genuinely attract passive top talent 
from company X into our, into our client's organization. And I think recruiters also need to look at a different approach because I think going in the days of, I've got a job, are you interested? Let's keep talking. I think people will be more reserved and inflect and, and maybe you know perceived more inflexible, but only that that's really only just so they can really evaluate, you know, am I moving out of the frying pan into the fire or should I be staying where I, where I am? So my point would be, you know, active candidates, unless they're getting asked to do ridiculous things and, and a tremendous amount of interviews or, or things that they didn't have to do before COVID, I would expect them certainly to be more flexible, you know, than than passive candidates. Great points, great points. Um Number seven, again, I can probably see this from both sides as well. Um, they're not, they're being impatient. Candidates are being impatient right now. Clearly with the scenario that they might be in, I hate to use the word desperate, but they might be desperate for a new job because of whatever's happened to them. But the article's trying to, or the recruiters, again, who were featured in this article referenced that candidates beca- are becoming very kind of pushy and needy. They're chasing up the hiring manager. They're chasing up HR. Um, some angle for me, I could see, I could see why that's slightly natural and they're just showing some level of interest. But again, I suppose I guess it's about getting that balance, right? I mean, I think there's a level of interest, then there's becoming a pain, you know, and you know, you need to again find balance because if you become a pain too soon, it's more than likely the client's going to just marginally disengage from you, you know, in terms of the organization that you're you're going to join. I mean, my, my one of my questions is so we'll get candidates who we work with and they'll say, I'm not here back from this. Can you chase this? Can you chase that? And that's our role. You know, we need to keep the process moving. But a good question to ask a candidate looking for a job is, you know, did you, did you give, when you were hiring, did you give feedback as quickly as you're looking to expect feedback? You know, because nine times out of 10, it's not the case. You know, and as a hiring manager, you're caught up in a lot of different things. And at a point in time, you know, giving Gavin the candidate feedback isn't necessarily the top thing that's on their mind. So again, it's back to relationships. I mean, you know yourself, you, you start to disengage with people that are just too intense, too pushy, too in your face, but equally candidates want to keep things moving. But there's different ways of keeping things moving. There's liking something on LinkedIn, there's making a comment, there's making references to something that you've picked up in that hiring manager's life that actually makes them interact with you about something else which in turn allows you to say, oh, by the way, where am I getting feedback on the next step? So I think my view is don't go into one dimensional. Don't just chase the feedback. Try and grow the relationship at the same time as you're, you're chasing the feedback. Great points on LinkedIn. Um, so second last one, number eight, it's headed jumping at anything. It's a bit similar, I think, to the one about being yep. desperate or on sending your CV into everything. But I think this is more around if you were made an offer, I think, I think that's maybe what they're coming across as, but almost that, and or, sorry, maybe even the beginning of an interview, but the first early stages of an interview, maybe when people are asking, oh, why you're here, or don't talk about how desperate you are in the first few minutes of the interview, um, it's almost that don't show you're desperate in the early stages. As you said, it's probably going back to a similar point earlier about knowing your value and your self-worth. I'm assuming that's what you'd agree on that one. I mean, just so jumping to anything, it does relate back to, you know, don't go for, for too many things and don't do the kind of scattergun approach. I think the other key thing is, you know, that, that right now, clients, organisations hiring have probably got a higher bar in terms of what they're expecting than they did three months ago. You know, hiring will become more scrutinised, costs will become more scrutinised, making the right hire will become more scrutinised. So, you know, in, in turn, the candidate can't do anything silly. So what I mean by that is if the candidate is out there actively applying for different things and they refer to, and I've seen it 
they refer to another organisation they've approached 10 minutes ago, now in the application for a different organisation, if they're spelling mistakes, if they've not researched it well enough, if they have not kind of articulated to that organisation, why, why am I right, why am I interested? If they're coming across as just a, well, of course I'm interested, I'm out of job, that ain't going to go anywhere, you know? And, and I think jumping at anything for me is two things, is making sure that you don't just miss the basics, you know, and don't, from a candidate point of view, don't kind of cross all the T's and dot the I's and, and show yourself in the best light. But also when you get to that offer, don't jump at everything, you know, make sure that back to the, the self-worth, make sure that you're not just accepting, accepting something too low, which in turn means you're going to be looking in six months' time. So I think that's for me, you know, what that kind of summarised to be. Yeah, no, I think you said the word there, back to basics. It's almost like act as normal. I mean, you should be getting there showing your value, what you can do for the company, your experience, your skills, what you can bring to the company and showing yourself worth, isn't it? I mean, that's... Absolutely, absolutely, yep. So number nine, last one was, well, it's it's classed as waiting until the crisis passes almost. It's that kind of, should candidates become more passive? And I know we've spoken about this a few times now, but is that the right approach? I mean, should candidates hold fire? I mean, what do you think? Again, it depends where they're at. I mean, if you've lost your job, you, I would be surprised if you're going to take the approach of let's wait until the pandemic's over. Um, don't get me wrong, we spoke to some candidates that say almost the reverse of being impatient. We spoke to some candidates that say, I'm going to just hold off because I presume hiring you know, is not top of priority right now. I would challenge that as well. I mean, I think for me, you know, candidates who are engaged in getting an opportunity are proactively trying things they're optimistic about the future mm. tend to get better opportunities you know and it's almost that whole behavior beats behavior so if i was a candidate just now you know looking for a new role i wouldn't take the impatient apply for everything nor would i take the i'm just going to sit and hope that something comes to me in three months time i think there needs to be a kind of strategy around what they're looking for and i think they need to really take take let's say they've been you know let go from an organization really take a bit of time to say, what do they like about that role? You know, where are my skills? Where do I want to go? Therefore, what is the, the right types of opportunities going forward? And I think now, with everything that's available technology-wise, it's a lot easier to research organisations, to look at competitors, to look at different sectors, and almost map out, you know, where do I want to be as a candidate in the next six months? And if you were doing this as a kind of project as part of your role, you would say, okay, what are the milestones I want to achieve over the next you know, two, three months. And I think candidates actively looking for a role need to do something similar. They need to say, right, okay, I'm here just now, I'm unemployed. I want to be employed in four months' time. You know, what are the key stages of getting there? Building your own network, getting engagement, getting awareness, you know, creating some thought leadership about, you know, the, the role that you did in the past, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's a lot more that candidates can do than just keep applying and hoping, you know, that the right role comes. Yeah, I mean, I think in summary then from all of those points, it's more around... And I get there's a situation where maybe it is a difficult situation for the candidates themselves, but I think it is good. It's as much as possible to try and to go back to basics, isn't it? About staying positive, applying for the roles where you know you can add value to the company. And then when you do turn up, you're not showing desperation. You know your self-worth. You know what you can bring to the company. And I suppose you could bracket that as sticking to the basics as, as much as possible under the current circumstances. The other, the other thing that I've suggested to a few candidates recently is, you know, taking video, right, and people buy from people. So if I'm, if I'm interviewing Robert and Robert says, here's two video testimonials of people that I used to work with speaking about me, what I achieved, that's that, you stand out by doing that, right? So rather than just saying, 
hi, I'm Robert, and I'm good at X, actually hearing other people tell you about the candidate that you've met is, is quite powerful. So again, it's back to candidates. Just be a wee bit creative and saying, you know, rather than going to a previous company saying, can you write me a two-page, you know, reference or testimonial, no, you know, do me a 40-second video on why I was a great hire for you previously. Oh, great idea. Yeah. And, and go back to, as you said, the people you'll ask will probably be more familiar with video now themselves and they've used it. And also so, they're familiar with you as an individual, so they're speaking, yeah. you, know, you know, just easy about, you know, about what you did and what you achieved. Great. Well, that was the nine we covered, so appreciate your time, Gavin, as always. Good all. Super. Good to speak always. to you. Have a good day. Thanks, Robert. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.